I'm Inside Story panelist and Philadelphia attorney A.J. Raju, and you're listening to the True Philadelphia Podcast with Matt O'Donnell. One day we will know the full impact of the coronavirus pandemic. Already we know this will mean death, physical suffering, economic hardship, and emotional distress. We will also one day realize that our response to this crisis will have made us stronger as a people. And that is what this discussion with A.J. Raju is all about. You know A.J. as a panelist on 6ABC's Inside Story. He also has an interview series called Overheard at Tradici. And he is chairman and CEO of the powerful Philadelphia law firm Dilworth Paxson. A.J. has a brilliant mind, is extremely forward-thinking, and is a master of the metaphor. He jumped at the idea of having this discussion. We both hope that after listening to this, you will be more optimistic about our future, even as we prepare for more difficult times in the present. AJ Raju, right now in the True Philadelphia podcast. AJ Raju, it's so great to see you. It's great to have Limited social contact with people. We have social distance. We have our social distance here. We're in your office in Center City, Philadelphia, and we're going to talk about some of the impacts of the coronavirus pandemic. The first thing I want you to do is everyone knows you from Inside Story, and they know you're a lawyer, but what do you do? What is your job? What is your expertise? Uh, One of the uh, toughest questions I've been asked right now is what exactly do you do? And we're we're trying to find out who is essential, who is non-essential, and I've quickly figured out I'm the non-essential oh, member of Dilworth Paxson. But um, I, um, I'm a partner at Dilworth Paxson, a, a historic law firm in Philadelphia. I get the great privilege of serving this law firm and continuing its great tradition within Philadelphia. Uh, I also wear a couple of hats with a few venture funds and others who are also embedded uh, within the Dilworth family and the community here. Okay. So I called you yesterday and I said, Let's talk about some of the impacts of the coronavirus pandemic that maybe people aren't talking so much about. Hmm. And I think I want to be careful in, in how do we categorize these things. But I came up with a couple of things, three to be exact, okay. and you said you had about ten or 15,000 that you would like to talk about. Uh, but go ahead, throw, throw one at me right now and, and let's discuss. Well, I think, one, um, this is a global pandemic. Everybody knows that. That's Captain Obvious statement. But unlike other past crisis that, crises that we have uh, encountered globally or as a nation, this one doesn't have an obvious enemy that you can uh, look sure. at. You know, sure. 9-11, the terrorists, 2008, the fat cats, um, especially in the CMBS market. Uh, this one is an uh, invisible-to-the-eye virus. And on one side is the globe and humanity. On the other side... Is, um, is a virus. And in this case, the heroes are both were vilified just a few months ago and invisible just a few months ago. The healthcare and drug and pharmaceutical companies that were vilified uh, just a few months ago for profiteering or just for being fat cats are now our saviors. I mean, they're working really hard and you're seeing the best being unleashed from humanity in terms of how quickly they're uh, coming up with a cure and using AI and technology to come and ac- accelerate the cure. And the second are the hourly wage workers. Uh, you know, the, the folks, when you're leaving the office, uh, you see people coming in, cleaning the bathrooms and cleaning 
cleaning the offices. I mean, they're the new soldiers of, uh, of this fight. And in many ways, I think, I know many people are already doing this, but we ought to be thanking them for the service, just like we thank our soldiers for our service, because they are at the front line of, of defense. That, to me, has been the most glaring uh, response, watching our um, uh, municipal workers, uh, watching our police and fire, the first responders, being visible and exuding calm and watching our uh, uh, workers in buildings and, and folks who sort of clean up, um, seeing how important their work is. You know, very quickly we realize we're all in it together, but they're the ones who are saving us. We are seeing people rise to the occasion. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a great thing to mention. So here's my first one. Sure. I think that we are reaching a tipping point with the screen time that we are immersed in constantly. And let me, let me try to explain. So we always talk about how you know, children, adults, whoever, spend way too much time on their phones, way too much time on their computers, and we tend to start replacing certain interactions we have on a one-on-one -on -one basis with our phones. And being isolated in our homes for these past few days or more, it really is making people miss those interactions. Yeah. And so I think if you're looking, if you're trying to draw like a curve when it comes to social media, iPhones, right. whatever type of phone you use, and when is it going to be so much that it needs to go back down a little bit? I think that this pandemic has brought us to that point, a tipping point. I think so, but for me, it's the other way around. I think we are now seeing how important technology is. And what we have done is we have accelerated a decade's worth of slow integration into just two weeks. Here's what I mean by that. You already had the 5G connectivity rollout for the mm -hmm. next decade. You had uh, delivery services that would be autonomous and drone services that we're thinking about in the next decade, slowly integrating people into that, where you would have robotics, AI, and others, machine learning, integrating into our lives. Well, we accelerated that. Uh, you look at telemedicine. Uh, doc, you know, we're waiving HIPAA requirements. We're looking at ways. Technology was there five, ten years ago. We just didn't use it. Today, we're now seeing the value of it. Remote learning for, for kids, it's, uh, you know, uh, education at home. Uh, of course, there are haves and have-nots. If you don't have that technology, then you're a not and not a have. Uh, but what we have learned is we've been forced to grow up, use this technology, the adaptation rate that would have been over a decade has accelerated now. Now, to your point, what we're missing is before we would do our TikTok or we would get on Instagram and everything was face filter, today we realize how important human interaction is. Just hanging out at a bar, seeing other people. And, you know, we all have these fantasies of being the Unabomber and just being isolated for, uh, because we're pissed at people or we're, we don't want to be around people. We quickly realize we are, humans by nature are social beings. Yeah. Uh, that's, our, that's our instinct, even if we're not, right? Even if, and, the, and sunshine is important to us, smiles are important to us, interactions are important to us, even fights are important to us because that's a raw emotion. You can't do that if you're isolated. And there are many, especially the elderly and the folks who live alone, um, you know, they are isolated. They're not seeing people, and that has to be a toll on the mental stress uh, for them as well. And I think it's good that we're reminded of these things, that we yeah. are social beings. We but, but, think about, but think about how, how blessed we are, though. Imagine if this was 30 years ago. You couldn't FaceTime. Sure. You couldn't, you couldn't uh, see each other on Facebook. So as much as we hate technology, sometimes you also realize there's, there are benefits to that. You know, whether it's Facebook and Instagram, 
you have the ability to reach out to the world from the, from the comfort of your own basement. You also have the ability to spew a lot of hate from the comfort of your basement, and you have the ability. So, it, you know, you, a bullet can be sitting here. I can throw it or fire it. How you use it is up to the person who, you know, what, what tools we use. There are some kids who are right now uh, still addicted to the screen and playing Fortnite, and then there are kids who are sort of studying and using that time to find out that they have parents and, and they're helping out with chores at home. They're comforting their uh, grandparents by calling them on Facebook. For right now, if you're a young kid, a simple FaceTime call with your grandparents is the most valuable thing you can do than yeah. anything else that, that, that uh, the screen is going to offer you. Another tipping point that yeah. I kind of see. A tipping point with personal hygiene mm -hmm. and the planet. Mm -hmm. And what I think we've learned is we do need to be a lot cleaner. We need to pay attention to washing our hands. Mm -hmm. These are simple things that mm -hmm. we can change. Mm -hmm. But I think seeing how this is spread globally, we need to care for planet Earth much better. And we can't treat it like a garbage dump. And we've talked about these environmental issues you know, for decades. Now I think we're really going to truly, as a collective, understand that we need to care for this place a lot better because we want to live in it a lot longer. I, I think that's a really important point. Here's where the future is going to be, and the future is already now. Um, after 9-11, the idea of long lines and screening, making sure you don't have guns, your shoes don't have uh, explosives, became the norm. And we're now adjusted to that. Soon, as you see in Asia already, past decade or so, they look at temperature to make sure you're not carrying certain diseases. Because sure. we've learned the lesson from MERS, from SARS, the original SARS, and Ebola, and others. That is going to become norm, not only in airports, but in buildings. So the idea that uh, zoonoses, that you know, animal to human mm -hmm. uh, viral contagion, this is not the first one. You look at HIV, MERS, Ebola, SARS, they all have one thing in common. These are all vi viruses that came from animal to human contact. We have not learned a lot, but each time that we go through this, we realize that one, we're global, and if you are in Iran, and if you're in the US, very quickly you see how cross-connected we are because it's spreading globally for a reason. We're global, we travel a lot. And the only way to protect is not to just sort of say, it's our border, we're in the same bathtub, it's the same water, and we have, you know, you and I are sitting in it uh, together with somebody sitting in uh, East Africa, somebody sitting in, in Asia, is one planet. To your second point, which is also a brilliant point, the existential crisis for our humanity has been climate change. This is not going to reverse anything by a great deal, but we have taken a fast uh, from carbon emissions. All factories are stuck. Now, at a great toll, people are losing jobs. They will suffer economically, but there's a benefit and uh, 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 consequential benefit from all of that, from sure. that suffering, would be uh, that you already have clean air. Uh, in countries like China and others, immediately it happened within a month. 20% cleaner. 20% cleaner. Ozone layer getting repaired. You're seeing now vegetation grow in oceans and fish are coming, so dolphins are coming back. And so you have now in just one or two weeks or two or three months brought back what used to be almost uh, 100, 200 years ago. So there is a little bit of uh, uh, the planet Earth getting a much-needed fasting, a much-needed break so it can breathe a little bit. Something else I wanted to make a point about that kind of is related to this. Mm -hmm. it, you're, I'm sure, familiar with type 1, type 2, type 3 civilizations and how they can, you know, chart these on a scale. I want to look at it a different way in that I think we truly have achieved being a global species. 
we've talked about this. It seemed that way for quite a long time, but I think we truly have reached that level. And so what we need to do now is to realize that is the case. That's a great achievement, I think, as a planetary civilization. But our question now is, what is the responsibility? And I don't think we're going to know that in days, weeks, months, maybe not until years have taken place. Look, I, I, think, I think that is true. A problem in one part of the globe becomes a problem. In our, we learned that with Chernobyl. We learned that in all other catastrophes, environmental you know, clouds bring it to you. It doesn't matter that something happened on one side. Um, so that is true. We're a global community. There are things, there are threats that don't look at nationalities, whether you're Republican or Democrat. But we're still are, again, the haves and the have-nots. And from that standpoint, when you have pandemics and when you have these types of crises, whether it's economic, this one is a healthcare pandemic first, economic and political second. And there are geopolitical consequences that will happen, but those can be debated later. But the winners and losers are usually in some things like this are already identified. The ones with resources, even if they take a hit here or there, will come out winning. The ones without resources, this hits them disproportionately greater. And from that standpoint, it is not just one community. There are clear tiers and hierarchies of those who will suffer. And, um, um, and I think as a humanity, we ought to be not only cognizant of that, our response ought to be disproportionately corresponding to the amount of help that we ought to give to those who are suffering right now the most. This is impacting people greatly when it comes to their emotions. Yeah. I'll admit it, I've been quite depressed over the last three or four days when you truly think about what's happening right now and the uncertainty. And when I walked in here, I asked how you were doing. And yeah. You talked about how you want to project to others because you want to be cognizant of how they see you. You, know, you and I are both fathers. We're both in highly competitive industries. We're looked upon by some to see how we react. How do you react to what is going on? Look, I, my default uh, personality is to be emotional. I wear my emotions on my sleeves, uh, and that's a weakness of mine. And um, when I'm happy, you see it. When I'm sad, you see it. When I'm angry, you see it. It's very difficult um, uh, to sort of hide my emotions. But I'm cognizant of the fact now, especially if you wear leadership roles and a leadership hat, that it isn't just about your emotions, it's about the people in the room that you're with. And um, my weakness is to show emotion. And at this point, if we're all trapped in the elevator together, I'm being extra sensitive to sort of suppress those, that weakness and to exude calm, one for myself, um, because there is a way, and you, we, you look at elite athletes and all the great the successful people, um, the reason why they're able to unleash that Bruce Lee one-inch punch is because they know how to regulate their emotions. No matter what happens, you know, three seconds remaining, your Ray Allen you know, is going to zero. You remain calm. You do what you're supposed to do. And um, that is a trained behavior, 10,000 hours of practice, intentionally thinking about meditating in the morning and saying, this is how I'm going to. So if you're prepared and if you reflect on it from that standpoint, it's just data. Right? Good or bad is data. And once you adjust to the notion that this is happening, now the question is, what is my response? There are two types of people. Uh, the ones who rush out into the rainstorm selling umbrellas and the others who are sort of instinctively finding shelter. Um, I'm the type, my instinct is to find shelter, 
but my trained behavior is to run out and, and um, uh, sell umbrellas or to run out with an umbrella to help others. And that's not something that uh, uh, comes naturally to me. I think, I think that's a trained behavior that we all have to develop, especially right now. It's an opportunity for us to discover that side of you. Crises define us as human beings. Yeah. How are we going to be defined by this one? I think in a really positive light, Matt. Uh, you know, uh, are there stories out there who are exploiting people who are panicking, uh, uh, creating even more? Yes, but if this was a movie uh, with an alien invasion, which it is, it's an unknown enemy, you know, The Rock or uh, Angelina Jolie will be the heroes and by now, you know, everything is going to hell and by end, hopefully, if, it, if it's a Hollywood movie, you know, there's a happy ending. Um, in our case, you look at the response of the healthcare workers. You look at how quickly, uh, whether it's pharmaceutical companies like uh, uh, Roche and others, using AI, using molecular diagnostic techniques and other technology today to accelerate the cure, working nonstop in laboratories, not just one country, but everybody, whether it's Australia, India, China, everybody sharing the research. That's number one, that's how I define The fact that we're sharing, it's an open source and everybody sees it as a common enemy and a common cure and there's a response. Uh, there are people who are being tribal and I think those are the sort of the, you know, the, uh, the weakness side of our humanity that will come up and that's okay. But overwhelming response has been concern, empathy, um, unleashing the finest of, of human potential and you're seeing how quickly we're getting to potential vaccines. Now, we've had some practice. We've worked with AIDS before, we've worked with malaria before, and we're looking at those cocktail drugs and doing immunosuppressants to make sure that this reaction uh, can, be, uh, can be understood faster and that we get to cures faster. So I think what you're going to see is the best of human potential. And I think the one, when it's over, you're going to realize that uh, you never underestimate human potential. I don't care what the enemy is. Um, uh, we, all, we have been hit multiple times in humanity in the past and we've always come out. We've always come out and we've gotten stronger. Humanity has always improved and I think we will improve even faster. I think people watching really are going to like hearing that come from you. But it's true. Uh, you've mentioned basketball a couple times. Yeah. Or what quarter are we in in a four quarter game? I think we're still on the left side of the bell curve. Uh, we haven't hit uh, the top and we haven't gone to the right side yet. But uh, in about two to three weeks, um, probably about first or second week of April, I think, because of social distancing, government-mandated uh, closures, if we take it seriously and people really address this, the, the, what we have learned is while it's a complicated viral contagion, the response can be pretty easy, which is isolate the first contagion, identify who else came in contact, isolate them, stop the spread. If you do that, it's a pretty relatively easy cure to make sure that it doesn't have a law of exponentials. If you don't do that, this thing grows fast. So I'll give you an example. If I give you a penny and it doubles every day, within 30 days, that's five million three hundred and thirty something thousand dollars, right? A penny within 30 days becomes that if it just doubles. That's the law of exponentials. Yeah. So if you say, wow, flu kills more people, if you can, if you conflate the two things, Flu is not as contagious. This thing will be a law of exponentials. The reason why we're conquering it is because with speed, we have figured out how to isolate and to quarantine. It's at a great toll, economic toll. A lot of companies, a lot of people will lose jobs. Unemployment records, uh, you know, numbers will go uh, high. But 
I think we have to do that to stop it. And I think we are probably uh, ending the first quarter, uh, about to enter the second quarter, but it's not halftime yet. But I will say this, uh, if you talk to our researchers and lab, lab technicians, we predicted a year from now maybe a potential vaccine will be found. I think they are already at a 40-point advantage going into the half. Um, and I think we just, we just need to wait, be confident in what they're doing. Um, and I have no doubt, and I know that uh, Atlanta paid a price for coming down and celebrating before Brady could finish, but I feel pretty comfortable uh, uh, making a bold statement that I think our researchers, not just in the U.S., globally, uh, will find the cure, or at least find a way for us to not become this massive pandemic, uh, which it is already. While at the same time knowing that in the sport of basketball, it is the easiest sport to lose a lead. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and that's and, why. And, we'll and be you're careful, seeing right? it in Hong Kong, right? You're seeing resurgence again. So it's, 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 we will find a tipping point where we have stopped it. You know, you're seeing Italy, South Korea, uh, and other countries, China, but it can resurface. So I, I don't think uh, we can be arrogant about it, but I think the first thing is to take it seriously. Second thing is to do everything we can to share intelligence, use existing technology. Look, we have had, as we talked about the law of exponentials, we also have had Moore's law in terms of our technology, right? So our technology is much faster. What we couldn't do before, we can do now. So instead of having these wet laboratory experiments that would take decades or months to do, we can now simulate multiple formulas and come up with a combination for that lock faster because technology is no different than when we replaced animal uh, power and human power with cranes and an industrial revolution. Now imagine how quickly we build homes and others. Now it's the same exponential uh, speed that doctors and lab technicians have when they're working with AI, machine learning, robotics, and all the other great things that uh, you know have just emerged in the past decade. AJ Raju, your opinions are always truly valued Thanks. at 6ABC on Inside Story on Action News. Thanks for joining me on The True Philadelphia Happy podcast. to be here. Happy to be here. Thanks, man. My thanks to AJ, an esteemed colleague and friend. Thanks to you for listening to The True Philadelphia Podcast. Mm -hmm.